It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the uh, Blatant Homerism podcast part of Sooner Sports Radio and the V-Sporto Network. Uh, I've invited our friend Dan Becker on. He uh, has been on the show a few times talking with us about uh, Iowa State. He uh, is you know, of the uh, Wide Right Natty Light blog. But he also has uh, started a new uh, analytics endeavor, college football analytics. So we're going to talk to him about uh, his new project here and uh, some of uh, you know the uh, approach that he's taking to college football analysis. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing great tonight. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, hey, I wanted to, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I wanted to bring you on because uh, I came across your new uh, new project here, College Football Analytics. Um, can you give us an idea, you know, first of all, I guess, you know, before we get into uh, the nitty-gritty of all the numbers, what made you want to go this route to, uh, you know, analyzing college football? Well, I think the biggest part is uh I've tried to live my life where I kind of married my professional life into my personal life a little bit, and uh, I, I do what kind of inspires me, and, and I work for one of the country's largest uh, insurance companies, and I work in an analytics function there, uh, and I'm a huge football fan, and my fandom for football is what helped me get in with the group that started Wide Right Natty Light, and as you're well aware, and I think your fans are aware, I'm our primary football writer for that, and then it just started to evolve from there. Uh, you know, I follow basketball as well, and I'm a big fan of Ken Pomeroy and what he does for his analytics. Uh, and then through my wide right writing and everything, I, I got connected with a fellow by the name of Kirk Holland. He does a lot of Iowa State-related stuff, and he's also kind of a stat geek and stat nerd. And over the past couple of years, we just started bouncing ideas off each other for football, and he'd been putting things together as time went by. And they said, you know, why don't we – this seems like a good idea. We think we could actually make this work. It works for basketball. There's a few things out there for football, but no one has really given the fans an interactive experience to go out there and say, you know, what what are the kind of between-the-lines type of stats that really make my team good, and how do those stack up against other teams in the conference or in the country? And so we've just been kind of working at this since last fall and kind of decided to jump off the cliff and say, let's see where it goes. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because that's one of the things that I noticed right away about your site is that it's it's a lot more interactive than um, a lot of the different sites out there. Um, do you feel like, uh, I guess, you know, college football, though, can be uh, – one of the things that you always hear, uh, you know, kind of critics of analytics when they're talking about football say is that it's just so hard to measure uh, you know, or to really explain uh, using stats just because – you know, it's not a continuous game, you know, like basketball, and uh, so many plays are, you know, worth, uh, essentially kind of uh, worth more. There's there's more room for kind of outliers to have uh, such a pronounced effect on any game. Uh, I mean, how have you found it so far kind of, you know, navigating some of those kind of hurdles? Well, I, I, I think it's absolutely true. Um, you know, one of the things I'll agree with, with Bill Connolly on this, Connolly is probably one of the foremost statistical minds for football, mm-hmm. works, writes for SB Nation's Football Study Hall. Um, Conley has always talked about how turnovers have such a large influence on the game, but they're very unpredictable, and it really amounts to luck. 
And I would agree with that. That's the wild card. Like in, in basketball, you don't you don't have a lot of those unpredictable things. It's it's five on five. You know, you're either shooting twos, threes, or free throws, or you're turning the ball over and you get rebounds. It's it's a really simple game. There's not a lot that goes into it. Uh, football, to your point, you know, there's a lot of starting and stopping. It's it's eleven on eleven. You can't keep track of the individual players. There are no stats for offensive linemen. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of moving parts in there, but I think what, what Kirk and I have tried to do is say, you, you can glean certain things from that. You can tell the quality of an offensive line based on certain metrics. You know, what do the rushing yards look like? What do sacks look like? Um, you know, interceptions can be influenced by the line and the pressure the quarterback will take. You can learn a lot from, from that just through the stats that we can get every day at that kind of raw play-by-play level and then roll them up into something useful. So it's it's tough and it's it's a long road to really quantify this and figure out what impacts uh, what impacts football and what impacts scoring. But there's a lot you can do if you just take a few stats and if you know the game. If you really know what makes a good good running back, you're going to know a line's going to help with that. And you can give you can quantify some of that based on those rushing stats. And you know one of the things I always like to relate it to is you know. Ken Dorsey, I'm moving to quarterbacks here, but Ken Dorsey was a great college quarterback. He was a great college quarterback in Miami because of his line. Mm-hmm. And you, you can, you know, you, you look at some of his, you can see that on film, but you can start to get a little bit of that in stats too because he was barely touched that, mm-hmm. that senior year. And that's what we're trying to accomplish is get a little bit deeper to say, you know, what are the reasons that Ken Dorsey wasn't being touched, uh, although the offensive linemen might not show up in the stats. And then I guess, uh, you know, my next question then would be, uh, do you feel like these are, you know, more predictive or uh, descriptive, uh, your, your uh, ratings here? You know, right now, uh, you know, we're, we're very much working on the descriptive side of things. We, we want to get into that predictive mode. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's where we're getting more fan interaction is, you know, Pomeroy does a wonderful job and even uh, Sagarin does it as well. Uh, you start of the year, you know, you always get that predictor out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for basketball, Pomeroy's always got it out there in about October. And, you know, first thing I'll do is I'll click in Iowa State, okay, he's calling for 21 and 9 this year. That's cool. And, you know, he's got his algorithm for it. We're working on that, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest thing is you got to figure out what the drivers are. It's, you know, end of the day, it's, end of the day, it's scoring. It's if you score more points than you allow, you're going to win. And you need to figure out what goes into creating those scoring plays. And, and we've worked on that. There's there's an efficiency component. You know, staying ahead of the chain. You go through that thrown around by coaches. You mm-hmm. can statistically prove that. There's the big play component. You know, plays over 20 yards are a pretty good indicator of success. Um, there's the uh, uh, there's obviously the turnover component, which is a little harder to uh, to predict. Um, there there's each of these little components here that that say, you know, what mean what makes you successful. And we're working on putting those together to say okay, now we can predict your success based on how we value these metrics. And I don't think we'll get into predictive space too hard before the start of this football season, but it is right now our number one goal now if the site is up and running. Yeah, you know, with college football, it's always interesting to me because there's just so much roster turnover and everything. It just seems like it's it's hard to kind of take that next step, uh, you know, it, it, especially when you start then considering stuff like coaching changes, even position coaching changes, that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's that part I'm always interested to see how uh, quant guys uh, kind of make go to that next level. You know, one of the things we're working on right now is we want to provide – we've got stats going back to 2005. And we want to provide a roadmap so you could see. I use Tom Herman as, a, as an example. New head coach in Houston, 
won national titles offensive coordinator at Ohio State last year. Spent three years there, three years at Iowa State beforehand, three years at Rice before that, some time at Texas State. We don't have those Texas State stats, but we have all those other nine years worth of stats mm. for him. You could build a really solid profile on a coach with what what exists. Mm-hmm. And you could see a rank, you could see a Tom Herman come up through the ranks and you'll be able to tell by some of those stats, can Tom Herman have success at Houston? And maybe not necessarily that, but what will it take specifically for Tom Herman to have success at Houston? The recruiting piece we're 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 working on it. But there are certain habits of his and I, I say this more I haven't watched him and been a fan of his for a mm-hmm. while. There are certain habits of his and how he runs the ball and where he runs the ball that we can display to say he's been successful at this, it's pretty clear he'll probably he'll do it at Houston again as well. And that's where we're really trying to get into is show that that coaching change over time to hopefully highlight maybe the next big guy. You know, is Matt Campbell at Toledo going to be the guy that gets out of the Mac and goes off to, you know, is he the next Urban Meyer? Mm-hmm. Is he the guy that comes out of, you know, comes out of Urban Meyer came out of Bowling Green to Utah to Florida and to Ohio State. You know, is Campbell now going to come out of Toledo and go some go to Utah and maybe Iowa State and somewhere and, and have that success. We're trying to achieve that too, to, to give the fans maybe that interactive of, you know, who's the guy they want. If if Bob's Stewart to somehow leave Oklahoma, which won't happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, who who's the guy people should be interested in? And we want to give that layer too. No one's really doing that right now. And we think coaching searches are such a big thing. Uh, we think the fans would really like that right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, one thing. You know, so much of that's done kind of by feel. When it seems like when uh, athletic departments are making those hires, that it'd be interesting to put more to do more putting numbers to it. So I'm always Absolutely. interested in looking at that. Yeah. Um, okay. Again, talking with Dan Becker of uh, College Football Analytics and Wide Right Nanny Light about uh, his new uh, new project here. So, okay, Dan, I'm looking at your ratings. This would I'm assuming be the uh, 2014 ratings here on your site uh you know just looking here through through it first of all kind of give me an idea of what i'm looking at here what uh what are um, some of these you know like um for example the adjusted o ppp okay so what that is is it's uh the ppp stands for points for possession so it's as simple as it sounds on a, on a normal possession what could you be expected to score um most football teams are going to average somewhere between 14 to 16 possessions a game um, and then the adjusted piece of that is strength of schedule adjusted. So we look at how your opponents performed against their opponents. So your classic SOS, you know, component that you've heard bandied about with RPI and, you know, the, the old BCS rankings and things like that. So you'll, you'll see influences. If, if you've played stronger defenses throughout the year, your adjusted offensive points for possession is probably going to get bumped up um, when compared against the average of the country. And so we do the same thing for defense as well. And the really cool thing about this is I actually, on, on the blog piece, I've actually visualized all of the, the adjusted offense and the adjusted mm-hmm. defense and charted that. And what pops out to you on those is your college football playoff teams, plus the Baylors and the TCUs that got left out. They're on one good, clear, specific part of the chart. They're allowing fewer points and they're scoring more points. Mm. It's, it's math at its simplest. And... The formula might be a little complicated to create up those adjusted numbers, but what we're trying to tell you is if that team played an average team that day, what are they expected to score per possession? And then if you want to multiply that out by 15 possessions, you can get a random idea of what they'll score against an average team in a game. And like I said, we strength, strength of schedule adjusted to really kind of level set that. You know, you really see the quality of Mississippi's defense when 
their adjusted defensive points per possession was around one, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, they, were, they were good. Their offense was kind of putrid, and their defense made their offense look really good. But they were very, very good, and they would just decimate an average team because of that. It's just It kind of got washed over because the SEC West, as usual, was so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, let's see here. Okay, so then the big question to me, just looking, you know, kind of glancing at this right off the bat here, Marshall at number five. Um, you, <laughs> yes. you, you, you gotta explain yourself there because I think a lot of fans would see that and be like, "Well, they're they're terrible," or not, you know, they're playing yeah. such a weak yeah. conference or whatever. Absolutely, and and you know, we're completely okay with that, and and we hated it too. You know, I'll be honest with you, and we got in twenty fourteen, and and we we're kind of behind the scenes, quietly piloting this and everything, and seeing what it got. We had some rankings there that gave us Marshall at number one, and we said no. No, yeah. no, not possible. We have to redo this. Yeah, and you know we've had ones that bumped them down a little lower and everything, but the what you see on sites now settled them at five. And I, I will say this: although we strength of schedule adjusted it, if you go back and look at Marshall's schedule, they kicked the crap out of pretty much everybody they played. Yeah, um, that that still matters. Margin of victory does kind of factor into this a little bit. And I know the college football playoff committee says they don't care about margin of victory. I think it's a lie. Um, margin of victory is a good indicative view of how the quality of the team is. And Marshall, here's the thing, they're not going to go into the SEC and they're not going to win 10 games. But any given day against an average team, they are going to be one of the best teams in the country. Their offense was one of the tops in the country the entire year. Their defense wasn't great, but they're good enough. And they played a really poor schedule. And it stands to within reason that an average team would not have very much success for them. And that's why they're, they're ranked so high. Mm-hmm. Right. Do I think they're the fifth best team in the country? No, but I also didn't, don't think Florida State was the 26th best team in the country, which is right around where they're at in our rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with Florida State was actually the exact opposite of Marshall was they played a, a stronger schedule, not a great one, but a stronger one. They did not look impressive during it. And you know, if you go back to December, there's all that debate: should they be in the playoff or not? Well, the answer is yes, because they're undefeated and defending national champions, so they deserve a shot. But they did not look impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had lost one game, TCU's in there, hands down, no problem. You know, mm-hmm. TCU's in there, and it didn't happen. But our, our, our rankings will not be mirrors to you know the USA Today top twenty-five or the AP or even the College Football Playoff Committee's top twenty-five, and we're okay with that. Um, you look at a lot of other advanced statistical things out there for basketball, and you have schools like. Creighton or Wichita State that didn't play great schedules throughout the year that are still ranked top 10 in the country mm-hmm. because all of their metrics for offense and defense were so good with who they played and that stands teams deserve credit for that mm-hmm. so looking here then it looks like the rankings uh, as you've got them here the ratings on the ratings tab uh, it looks like they're ranked based on uh, at least initially uh, based on expected win percentage now mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's win percentage against playing like a, a some type of base level schedule. Yeah, um, base base level schedule with the statistics that they have. Yes. Um, okay. So the you know what would be your yeah what's your expected win percentage based with that mix of adjusted offense and adjusted defense and the strength of schedule you played. Um, and as you'll probably notice, uh, don't know how much you played with the rankings. Every every ranking field in there is sortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of one of the things we're trying to do with the interactivity is. With the rankings page, and then we have the stats pages. We have the 2014 stats, and then the archive stats next to it. Every single stat page is sortable. So, if you want to sort it by actual win percentage, you can. Expected, you can. 
and if you want to see who the best offense and who the best defense were, you can do that as well. And we wanted to make that. We've seen plenty of sites out there where you have to scroll down and find your team, but then you have to kind of look over and see where they stack up somewhere else, and you don't get that idea of, love, you know, you can't really level set. We yeah. don't want to do that. One of the, the core functions we wanted for the site was to make everything sortable so you can sit there and go, you know, I know Mississippi's offense isn't that good, but that number one defense right there, I could tell an Alabama fan about that, and they can't hide away. They can't hide from it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, can we talk about the Big 12 then real quick here, looking at the numbers? Uh, you've got a pretty substantial gap, uh, relatively speaking, between TCU and Baylor. Uh, TCU was your number one team overall, your number one rate team. Baylor down at 11. Um you know, that's what was the big difference there? It looks like Baylor's defense didn't really uh, do it any favors. Baylor's defense, you know, as you went through the year, um, their defense started to drop off a little bit. Uh, TCU, you know, I think TCU was buoyed a little bit. You know, it's heard them in the college football playoff committee. They were buoyed a little bit by playing kind of a weaker back end than Baylor did. You know, mm-hmm. TCU ended with Iowa State in 155-3. Baylor ended with K-State and won... 34 to 30 or something like that. I don't remember the score off the top of my head, but Baylor had a significantly tougher schedule towards the end of the season. Um, but they also didn't perform great against that schedule defensively. They, they played with fire a little bit. Uh, I believe the week before the K-State game, they got into a pretty good shootout with Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you look, and granted, they played the exact same they played the exact same samples, but what helped TCU push that defense maybe a little bit over the top compared to Baylor is that 34 nothing shutout is a pretty good Minnesota team by the end of the year. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that influences number at the end of the year. That you know happens back in September. Minnesota is not the team that they were in November, but that thirty-four nothing still matters. And TCU just and I think it's a mark of Gary Patterson. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know he's got good defenses. And I just towards the end of the year they they did more and they did more even at the beginning of the year as well. They did what they had to, and that defense really stood out by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, looking at the second tier teams here, you've got uh, Oklahoma State, or pardon me, Kansas State and Oklahoma pretty close. Uh, you know, this being a Sooners podcast, tell me a little bit about what we're seeing here with Oklahoma. You know, one of the things, if, 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 you, if you go back up to that side-by-side tool, it's on the front of the page. One of the things that stood out to me when I looked at Oklahoma, they were really good at running the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the thousands of yards we gave up in Ames helped with that, but they they were a good running team. Uh, offensively. I, I can't speak too specifically to how their defense performed. Um, I haven't looked too closely at it, to be completely honest with you. I mm-hmm. just I remember you know, looking at our side-by-side and looking at Oklahoma when I was kind of testing out the, uh, the functionality of everything. You know, we put the rankings next to the stats when you pull them up on the side-by-side. There was a lot of red in Oklahoma's rushing categories, which is good. Red was hot. You're higher in the rankings. And that, that stood out to me. They ran. They ran the ball really well. There, there are certain things that we have on the back end that we haven't shown anybody yet that has direction of play analysis and what made Oklahoma so dangerous there. They were very balanced. They can kill you up the middle, and they can kill you on the edges as well. Mm-hmm. And it was it was as good of a running team as I think people predicted last year. Um, just the receiver depth and, and Trevor Knight didn't really allow them to maybe throw the ball as well as they had hoped. And that team, that was just a very strong running team. And I... I think that separated them a little bit last year from the rest of the middle of the pack, and I think it will actually separate them fairly well this year as well. Um, and it looks like, just looking here, um, one team that a lot of people are high on, you know, you and I follow the Big 12, obviously, one team that uh, is getting a lot of love is Oklahoma State, but uh, you know, you've got them here, would it be you know, roughly 
what seventh in the conference, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I realize that the Pokes kind of came on late, but I'm starting to think that maybe uh, our impression of them might be a little inflated. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling. I'm selling on them. I don't buy it. Um, they can't figure out who they want to be in offense. You kind of get that a little bit when you go from Dana Holderson to whoever their Division Two coach was. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, that's such a big drop off, and I, I, I'll already tell blue in the face about that one. I, I like that they hired a coordinator with experience. It's a big jump, and you have some big shoes to fill with Garrett Holderson. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I'm, 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 I'm selling on them. I don't. I think Gundy's. I think Gundy hit his peak. Uh, I just. Oklahoma State didn't do a lot of things particularly well, particularly well last year. Uh, they were average on offense. They were above average on defense. And this notion that they could contend for a top three in the Big 12 in 2015, I'm, I'm selling hard on that one. I, I think the Big 12 in 2015 is TCU, the TCU and Bayer show, and then this massive pack in the middle from three to about seven, and then eight, nine, and ten are Kansas Iowa State and, and Texas Tech, and I think Oklahoma State will be closer to those levels than they will be to a to an Oklahoma level or a Texas level even. Uh, you bring up Texas there. What's your read on uh, Strong based on the numbers uh, in his first year? You know, I, I have I haven't looked too too closely at him mm-hmm. specifically. Um, you know, I, I can tell you though, if you go back and look at all those Louisville stats, they are such a strong defense. Yeah, and. He's, he's, he's going to get it done. They had significant defensive improvement from 2013 to 2014. Um, fewer explosive plays, uh, winning first down more. But he's, he'll get there, especially with those athletes you can just get in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big believer that college football is cyclical, and I've felt for a while now that the Big 12 is starting to trend to a little bit where you do need a defense to win, or you need a defense to at least be in that top two or three and considered for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen what happens that you can drive Baylor and TCU into a fist fight and yeah. as long as you have just an above capable you know if you have a defense to do it and just an offense that can kind of keep the chains moving you can win those games I think Strong can do that and he he had some success last year some kind of there on the margins you know from what I remember do remember looking at kind of there on the margins a little bit of improving it from one, from under Mac Brown and I think he, he keeps doing it this year and, you know they, they might not they probably won't win 10 games this year uh, but if he told me right now that Texas wins eight or nine games this year, I'd buy that. I, his defense, they did enough things right on early downs last year that they can, they won't, they can improve on that this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they also kind of try to develop an offensive identity going forward because that were just Absolutely. yeah, so 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 bad at times last year. Um, tell me a little bit about your uh, Cyclones here. You know, this is a, a an interesting squad, at least to me, because I'm I'm interested to see, you know, in year two, also how Mark Mangino does. So, give us the uh, blow by blow on Iowa State. Well, it's uh, it's bowler bust for these guys. Um, that's the rumor coming out of the athletic department right now. Is you know, Paul Rose has to get the team back into the postseason, or you know, he and the assistants are packing. The assistants know it's uh, backs are kind of against the wall, and, and you got to play well. And it's the offense has to lead the charge. You know, Mark Mangino talked a lot last year and he talked a lot this spring that the team needed to get mentally tougher. He thought they got there this spring. Uh, we've got a senior quarterback in Sam Richardson. He's a good quarterback. He's one of the favorite quarterbacks I've ever had the pleasure of watching here. He's just had a bad string of luck. He's never won a Big 12 game he started in. Some of that's because his defense let him down. Some of it's his own mistakes. He has no excuses this year. He has a 
decently experienced offensive line. He's got returning receiver Quentin Bundridge, who tore his ACL in the fourth play of last season. Yeah. But he'll be back. He's got DeVario Montgomery at receiver, who was a former high school teammate of his. He's got four-star recruit Alan Lazard in his sophomore year. He's got the trees on the outside to throw to. Um, he's got young young running backs, including Mike Warren, who came out of uh, uh, the state of Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm a big believer, and you saw me touch on it earlier. The line kind of makes the quarterback and the running back a little bit. And if the line can gel early and stay healthy, you get that running game. Man, Gino wants to run the ball. I'm not a big believer. You know, Iowa State was throwing. If you go, if you go look at, uh, you go look at our stats. You know, Iowa State was throwing about 56% of plays last year. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Part of it was because of the line. You know, part of it was also because it's what Mark Mangino does. I think he wants to be able to win football games by not having to throw 50 times a game. If yeah. he can get him to throw 25 or 30, he's okay with that. But one of the, the line has to step up, and one of the running backs has to choose to run through the line. Um, they're there, though. I mean, there's a lot of experience on the offense. He's in his second year. This is no longer about teaching concepts, but it's about just getting better at what you're doing. And I think that's going to help. There, there are some bad defenses at the bottom of the Big 12. The non-conference schedule sets up pretty favorably. You know, the worst thing about this team right now is they're on that 4-5 schedule for the Big 12, so it's 4 at home and 5 on the yeah. road. And, you know, we've been around this long enough to know it's really tough to win on the road in college football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess last question, looking at the Big 12, um, you know, this is a conference that, you know, seems to uh, take lots of uh, take lots of shots nationally in the media and, and things like that, uh, both for, you know, the culture of the league, but also a lot of times for maybe uh, some of the quality of play at times. I mean, based on what you're seeing here, based on your analytic perspective, I mean, how does the Big 12 kind of stack up nationally to other versus other conferences? Cream of the crop, we're up there at the SEC, hands down, cream of the crop. I, I think the best way to show this, um, you know, and I'll, I'll, tw- I'll tweet it again tomorrow from our account so your listeners can see it. You know, we've got that visualization out there, that, that charts adjusted O and adjusted D, and you can, you can pull in specific conferences. And one of the things that jumps out at you, if you just chart the Big 12 teams and the SEC teams, is offensively they're not significantly different, at least at the top. Defensively, though, the SEC is about a point per possession better. It is—it's ridiculous. It's—they're much better on defense, and the Big 12, rightfully so, gets knocked on that. But that's not to say the top can't play defense. TC was right up there with some of those SEC teams on defense. Mm-hmm. They are less for part of the year too. Um, It's—it—it's it, there, but the middle of the pack right now, the SEC is better. They play better defense at the middle of the pack than the middle of the pack the Big 12 does. But I would take the top two of the Big 12 and it's the top two of the SEC right now. There's not a significant line of demarcation between the two teams. But nationally, the Big 12 is going to keep getting hit because the majority of the teams, which is what people are concerned about, don't play as good as defense. Yeah, yeah. All right, interesting stuff. Well, Dan, I've taken up plenty of your time tonight. I really appreciate you uh, joining us. Let everybody know where they can find all your stuff. You can find us at cfbanalytics.com. You can follow us on Twitter at cfbanalytics. Um, like us on Facebook as well, cfbanalytics. We'd like to get those Facebook likes. Um, but those are the best way to find us. You can always find us, obviously, me at wideripenattylight.com. My Twitter handle is at uh, Um That's where you can find us. We are open to any forms of questions and comments and discussions. We love talking about this stuff. We love talking to people. I love talking about it as well. 
Um, so reach out to us. We don't bite, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you if anyone has any questions. Awesome, awesome, man. Hey, real quick, is uh, Cormac McCarthy going to be doing your uh, college football, your Big 12 previews this year? <laughs> you know, if we could find him wandering somewhere out west, uh, we'll, we'll pin him down and get him to do one, but he hasn't uh, returned some of our latest dispatches, yeah. <laughs> so, but, we're, but we're working on it. Excellent, excellent. Again, folks, he's uh, Dan Becker of uh, CFBanalytics.com as well as Wide Right Natty Light. Really appreciate him coming on. And uh, appreciate you all joining us, too. For the Blatant Homerism Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.